thanks for checking out this message from Springmount Church. For more information about us and what we do, visit our website, springmount.church. Why not check out all the different groups that run throughout each week in Barrow and on Walney? And join us every Sunday from 11am at Salt House Pavilion in Barrow Infernos. If you would like us as a church to pray for you, please email prayer at springmount.church or sign up on our website for monthly news straight to your inbox. We're going to have, we were due to have three people sharing for a short time each, but we're going to have Faye. I'm going to do a little bit in the middle and then Wes is going to share from Ecclesiastes, but Faye's going to share a little bit of all sorts. It's a lot. Seven to ten minutes. <laughs> it's all right. So give it up for Faye. Do, do things like nod and smile at her, because that helps, doesn't it? If you're going, yeah, if you're going like that. Good morning. Hi. So uh, last time I stood up here and spoke in front of you all, it was Easter Sunday, 2022, um, right before my baptism. And Johnny had asked me at that time to share about my journey. Well, I got a bit hung up on the word journey and I felt like I hadn't really had one. And I had this metaphor where I was still putting on my coat and tying my shoelaces. So this time, Johnny's asked me to speak about the difference it's made walking with God in my life. Well, I'll be honest, kind of same issue. I mean, okay, so the difference it's made, well, I still live in the same house. I'm still married to my husband. I still work in the same job. And don't get me wrong, I'm not complaining about any of those things. I really love them all. It's just that materially, my life hasn't changed a lot since I invited Jesus in to lead it. And what about this walking with God? Have I ever done that? What does it even mean? So there are three things I'd like you to know about me. The first one is I like books. I know, <laughs> a bit. The second one, I like to walk. And the third one is I tend to overanalyze things. You might be, yeah, I know, might be getting that vibe. So on Tuesday, we had a really nice get-together for our Connect group. Thank you, Mel and Russell. It was lovely. And Johnny said to me kind of in passing, he said, so is that okay then? Uh, just share on Sunday about the difference God's made in your life. So I went, no, you said the difference it's made to walk with God in my life. So this is how it was for me. For on, I got Johnny's message on Monday evening, and I'd just come out of Alpha Course. And in Alpha Course, they used the same analogy that Ramin had used the day before about God rerouting us like a sat-nav. Now, I know sat-nav is like driving, but, you know, kind of same difference, journeying A to B. So I've got, right, journey, rerouting, walking. So I decided to stick with walking and see where it led me. So... To prep for today, obviously, being a book lover and a Christian, I went to the most important and greatest book ever to see what the Bible says about walking with God. So I'm there and I'm reading about Enoch walking for 300 years with God and Noah walking with God. And this, this beautiful canvas on my mantelpiece that Tabby made for me, thank you, that says, um, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to him, and he will make your path straight. And it keeps catching my attention, and I keep coming back to it. 
And uh, those verses, Proverbs 3, verses 5 to 6, they were given to me at my baptism. And they've really served me really well because it, they gave me a good a great peace when I'm trying to figure out something that my mind probably isn't capable of understanding. And to be honest, that's the bit that I thought was relevant to me. Lean not on your own understanding. But, wait a minute, because there's something about walking in there, isn't there? He will make your path straight. So Ramin and my Alpha course, they spoke about God kind of rerouting us. And it doesn't always, but that, that kind of sounds like we're heading in the wrong direction and we've taken a wrong turn and God needs to root us back. But I think this verse or this passage goes a little bit further than that. So a little analogy, if you'll allow me. So my Auntie Pauline lives on Cowlands Road and it's a cul-de-sac. And to get to my Auntie Pauline's house, I turn off Harcourt Lane and I go round, 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 Auntie Pauline's house. And then one day she said to me, why don't you just use that little shortcut? And it turns out there's a little bin path between the houses that I've been walking past every day that leads straight, more or less from Harcourt Lane, to my Auntie Pauline's house. So it's much straighter and it's much easier. It's much simpler. It cuts about five minutes off the journey. What about a bigger example? What about, what if they ever built that bridge over Morecambe Bay? How quickly we'd get to Lancaster and the motorway? Brilliant, right? Or what about a bigger example? What about the Channel Tunnel? Like, same path, but way quicker. I don't know how much it cuts off. Lots, though. Or what about bigger? What about the Suez Canal or the Panama Canal? You know, before they were there, you had to sail right round Africa or right round South America to get to where you wanted to go. Way quicker. And this is even bigger because this is God and he's massive. Yeah. And I think that's what these verses are saying to me anyway. That if I do those things, if I trust in him with all my heart, if I don't lean on my own understanding, and if I submit to him in everything I do, and I think that's what we mean when we say to walk with God, then he will give me the easiest and quickest way to get to where I need to be spiritually, emotionally, in my attitude, and to find the purpose that he has for me. So, now that I've kind of figured that out, so thank you for going on that little journey with me, sorry. I have to get it in my mind, overanalyze, you see. But, so have I ever really walked with God? Well, there are three times in my life that I can think of when I felt really, 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 really close to God. And the first one, actually, was the fasting month in uh, January 2022. And I took that quite seriously. And you didn't have to. You could kind of do whatever. You know, there were no rules, no monitors on you or anything. But um, I was kind of denying myself in pretty big ways. I mean, I wasn't starving myself or anything, but I decided to really go all in. And I more or less dedicated that whole month to God. And the thing I found quite remarkable was that though I was getting up earlier to pray and read my Bible... And though I was eating simple food and a little of it, I felt more focused, I felt healthier, I felt more energised. Um, yeah, it was this, and I was still doing the same things, so I was still going to work, and I was still um, going to church and cleaning my house and all the rest of it. It was just a lot easier. The next one was my baptism, uh, and this was a bit of a step of obedience, well, a lot of a step of obedience for me. 
because to me, I felt like everything around me was screaming for me to um, go and get baptised, and I didn't feel like I was ready yet. I wanted to read the whole Bible first, for example. But um, you know what? I did it, and that was one of the greatest days ever. It was so easy, so simple, and it turns out it was a good job that I got baptised when I did, because the third time was about a month later, and something terrible happened. And I wish I could share with you the whole story, but it's not mine to share, so I'll just stick with the basics. So my husband got very poorly, and he went to hospital, and the doctors said he might die. And I think the first thing, or certainly one of the first things I did in response to that news was to reach out to the Connect group and say, and ask for prayer. And then I went to the evening prayer service, and I shared the whole story. And the response from this church was really, it was overwhelming. It was absolutely mind-blowing. And for my part, I did everything I could think of to honour God. Uh, I was fasting, I was praying, I was dancing in church. I came to every single meeting I possibly could. And um, my husband pulled through. I know, thank goodness. And I was so grateful for everything that, that was done by everybody by this church. So. But there was more than that. So there were people messaging me very kindly, saying, try to eat something. I know you're not going to feel like it, but just try to, try to eat a little. They were saying, I, I hope you get some sleep. Well, it, actually, it made me feel a bit guilty, because do you know what? I slept like a log. And I was eating okay. I was eating well enough. And while a, a lot of the time I felt like my heart might break... At the same time, I had trust, and I had faith, and I had peace. And you know, that path was really difficult, but it was a whole lot easier feeling that you guys and God were with me during it. And there's more, because then there were little day-to-day shortcuts as well, a little straight paths. So I think the biggest change for me in my life, like day-to-day, is that I used to hate anybody giving me advice. They were just interfering. And then in my Freedom in Christ course, there was this um, image that stuck with me. And it was a little girl standing in a table, and she was jumping into her father's arms. Oh, I jumped. I wasn't planning to do that. <laughs> okay. So she jumped into her father's arms, and uh, he caught her, and she back on the table, and he set back a bit, and so the jump was a little bit further, and she, he caught her again, set back a little bit further, and jumped and caught her. So this made sense to me, and I thought, okay, you're kind of building the trust, so I can start with something little, and see where it takes me. So there were loads of examples of this, but I, the one that sticks in my head, or one of the first ones, was um, in our Connect group, Sandra taught us that... Um, even white lies can be harmful. And I kind of disagree with that. I was like, well, I, I tell white lies to save people's feelings. Like, and I gave her an example. So I said, so people ask me to go places, and I've really got to clean the bathroom that day, you know. And so I said, I make up some elaborate excuse to say I can't make it. Or I say yes, and then on, when the time comes, I go, oh, sorry, I've got a terrible headache. So I decided to put this little bit of advice, this little leap of faith into practice. Oh, and by the way, with the cleaning my bathroom thing, that's another change because my life before coming here was like cleaning, 
and working. And that was it. And I used to complain about it. And my house was never clean. Jonathan said, don't say, don't say that. What? But it wasn't. My house was never clean. My work was never finished. So um, I decided to put this into practice. And uh, next time somebody asked me to something, I said, yes. I, I mean, because try telling somebody, no, nope, sorry, I can't come to your fundraiser because I'm cleaning the toilet. Like, it's just no good. So I had to go. And yeah, when it came round, I couldn't fabricate a headache. So I went. And so the difference that's made in my life as well is actually I go out more, I build relationships more, I learn more, and I enjoy it. And my house is still dirty. Sorry, Jonathan. And my work's still unfinished. It's still exactly the same place. It's just a lot nicer. It's simpler. It's easier. One more, uh, just because I like it. And it's Tabby's again. Sorry. And so in book club, we were reading Dangerous Prayers by Craig Rochelle. And it's the second time I've read it. And both times I've had a problem with the break me prayer. Um, I just couldn't get on board with it. And Tabby said something wonderful that stuck in my mind. And she said, look, God isn't going to punch you in the face. He loves you. And I think it's kind of a paraphrase on that, um, when, what father, when his son asks for a fish, will give him a scorpion. That's the tabby version of the Bible. I want that one. So. <laughs> uh, so what that meant for me was um, I started believing it, that God will only do good things in my life and to trust him more. But to recognize that that doesn't mean I won't have difficult times, but he might be trying to teach me through them. So practically what that has meant is I pray more honestly. I'm not frightened about inviting God into a situation. And so when I'm going through something tough, I pray and I ask you guys to pray for me as well. And do you know what that does? It makes it easier, a lot easier. So, you know, when I spoke about my baptism and I spoke about that metaphor where I'm putting on my coat and tying my shoelaces, and um, when I had that image in my mind, I was kind of picturing myself as a bit of a lone pilgrim, like uh, wandering down this empty road, probably with a staff, seeking God. But that wasn't how it was. And God gave me something brilliant to take with me on that journey. And it's you guys. And he taught me, or is still teaching me, to trust and to, take, to listen, and to take the straight path you pointed out to me. So that's the answer to Johnny's question. What difference has walking with God made in my life? It's you. Thank you. Thank you, Faith. Just, just before, um, before Wes comes up, it's nobody who stands up here and speaks is perfect. Okay, nobody. You know, only Jesus was perfect. And actually, Faye is quite clearly gifted at sharing, isn't she? Yeah? So uh, God wants to use our gifts. And actually, some of the ways, she mentioned a load of things for church. She talked about connect groups. She talked about book group. And that's how we find out about each other. And that's how it's easy to discern gifts, because we can see what people are good at when they're getting involved. And uh, thanks for sharing, Faye. I have to say, you mentioned metaphor twice. And Tim Vine told a joke on Tuesday night. Do you want to hear it? I, I, I once had a girlfriend called Simile. I don't, I don't know what her metaphor. There you go. Anyway, right, okay. 
Sorry, everybody else. Um, so I've invited Wes to come and share from Ecclesiastes, but actually, as Wes comes up, Faye shared there basically the thrust of this passage from this week. The beginning part of the passage talked about everything being bleak, that the world we live in is unjust, uh, the world we live in oppresses, and actually even in the church you can find those things. But it finishes with hope, and it finishes with what Faye has just explained, and actually what God gives us is each other. So Wes is going to share from the end of Ecclesiastes chapter 4, I think it is. You don't need that, do you? You'd think being a youth worker, you'd be uh, up to scratch with technology, but I'm really not. I don't like social media. I don't like, you know. Uh, <laughs> yeah, no social media. Um, brilliant. So, um, hi, I'm Wes. Um, nice to meet you, family. And uh, just before we start, it's really important that I pray. So let's pray. Lord, thank you that you are a God who um, wants um, family and fellowship and relationship. You are a God who connects with us on the daily basis as long as we just reach out to you. So Lord, I pray that you'll help, help me speak your truth and what you want to say to these lovely guys here. Amen. Brilliant. I was actually really nervous before coming here. I've, I've watched the King's speech. I don't know why I watched the King's speech. <laughs> Um, you know, this guy with a stammer coming to speak at the front in front of all this nation. But um, I was nervous, but now I'm like excited. So um, let's crack on. So I'm talking about today about two are better than one, as Faye's already spoken. Um, I guess in this case, a lot of us are better than just one of us. Um, and we're going to look at Ecclesiastes chapter 4. We're going to look at what Solomon says about um, two being better than one. And um, I'm actually reading from the message version, so I've got with me my Bible, and um, inside here is a message remix. I don't know why it's called a remix, but message version, and that was given to me when I first became a Christian at the age of uh, nine from a lovely friend of mine called uh, Uncle Bob. Um, If you're listening, Uncle Bob, uh, thank you very much. Um, But uh, I'm going to read chapter four. And if you want to follow with me, that's great. I think I'm going to read from, I think it's verse 7 onwards. So, uh, I turned my head and I saw yet another wisp of smoke on its way to its nothingness. A solitary person, completely alone. No children, no family, no friends. Yet working obsessively late into the night. Compulsively greedy for more and more, never bothering to ask, why am I working like a dog? Never having any fun. And who cares? More smoke, a bad business. Now, before I carry on with the um, chapter, um, this, this person reminded me of someone. And I know it's summertime, and I'm very sorry for talking about this, but it reminded me of a Christmas carol, Ebenezer Scrooge, right? He's a, he's, you know, he's a miserable man. He's um, always wanting money, don't care for family, don't care for friends. Um, so in the story of the Christmas Carol, 
for those of you who don't know, basically it's around a guy called Scrooge and he's, he, he keeps all the money to himself. He, he works night and day. Uh, he works Christmas Day. Doesn't, doesn't care for anyone. Has no value on anyone else but himself and money. And um, eventually something happens to change the aspect. But right now I'm talking about the miserable Scrooge. And he says something like, bah humbug. And he says something like, yeah, poor excuse for picking a man's pocket every 25th of December. Um, so my, my dad would appreciate that. He's obsessed with Scrooge. Every single Christmas time, it's like dinner time. Then, don't disturb me, Lisa. I'm watching Scrooge. Don't disturb me. I'm watching Scrooge. Leave me alone. Guys, you can watch it with me. Otherwise, be quiet. You know. Um, but there's another quote from Scrooge. And it's actually from his nephew, and it says, His wealth is of no use to him. He's talking to his friends. His wealth is of no use to him. He don't do any good with it. I am sorry for him. I couldn't be angry with him if I tried. Who suffers by his ill whims? Himself, always. So his nephew knew that his obsession with wealth and obsession with working and solitary and not caring about family was hurting him and affecting him in a negative way. A man who isolated himself, a miserable man, he missed out on what true joy was about. Now the definition of Scrooge means like a person who spends um, uh, very little money and kind of hoards it a lot to himself. Um, Another another definition of him is like a miser, a a, a miserly person. Uh, A miser is a person who doesn't want to spend any money and he prefers hoarding um, all and giving up some necessities. Necessities. Now, necessities means something indispensable, which means something or someone that is so good or so important to them that they cannot manage without. So I'll read that again. A necessity can mean something indispensable, which then means something or someone that is so good or so important that you cannot manage without. Which leads me into the next part of it, which is 9 to 10, which it says in the message version, it is better to have a partner than go it alone. Share the work, share the wealth, And if one fails, the other helps. But if there's one to help, tough. If there's no one to help, tough. It's better to have a partner than go it alone. Now, it's not just talking about marriages specifically. However, marriage is a good example of partnership. But it's talking about friendships. It's talking about relationships. It's talking about business partnerships. All different types of people that that you should connect with. So in 1 Corinthians 7, and it actually talks about singleness. And it talks about that could be the best thing for you. Sometimes sometimes the best thing for someone else is to be married. Sometimes the best thing is for someone to be single. However, it's about your relationship with God that's the important part. God tells us to be in unity, to have fellowship, build each other up so we can better our relationship with him. Another verse that encourages this, Proverbs 27, verse 19, as iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. 
Now, um, with iron and sharpen, sharpening iron, it's kind of, they don't actually sharpen each other very well. You actually get a special stone to sharpen the iron. But the, the whole aspect of this is, is about mutual benefit. It's about putting the two blades together so that they become sharper. And um, with a stone, with that special stone and the sword, when you sharp it up, it, it gets sharper. It, it prepares itself for what it's being supposed to be used for. It's, it's getting ready for either the battle, if it's a sword, it's getting ready to take on whatever enemy is ahead of them, or if it's a knife, getting ready to cut um, the bits of paper that you need, if you want to send something or, you know, whatever. Um, or if you're cutting up, uh, uh, cooking something good for this, who knows. Um, yeah, it's important that the blades are sharp because dull blades can be dangerous. If you're sharpening... Uh, a, uh, a knife, and it's really, really blunt, when you sharpen it, it's more likely that you're going to cut yourself whilst doing it. If you have it already sharpened, it becomes easier and easier for you to sort out the bits that aren't as sharp. So when we are having our relationship with God, when we are focusing on togetherness and fellowship, um, and that is our daily focus, then it's really, really easy to get rid of the, the, the dull bits, the things that are holding us back. And we don't hurt ourselves in the process as much. It's not as difficult to get ourselves out of the rut, out of that place where it's really struggling. But if we choose to ignore God, if we choose to ignore the fellowship and spending time with one another, then what happens is when we're trying to sort ourselves out, it's very, very difficult. And it might take time for God to mold you and shape you into this sharp edge that God has made you to be. The Word of God, the Bible is described as a double-edged sword. And that's in Hebrews 4 verse 12. And I said two things need to sharpen together. You have one iron sword on its own. It's not going to sharpen itself. If you're that one iron sword on its own, and you're expecting it to be sharp, it won't. It won't get sharp. It needs another thing to sharpen it up. It needs another person who knows and has a relationship with God to sharpen it, sharpen you, prepare you for what's ahead. Now, um, Speaking of fellowship, um, me, sorry, Emily, Sam, Kaylee, Tabby, and myself, always got to say myself at the end, you know, polite. Um, we went to, uh, obviously, Ros and Johnny were there as well, um, but in the little car, we were all together, and we went over to uh, the wedding that we were going to, which uh, Tabby and Cameron's, and um, we... <laughs> Uh, we, as we were heading there, um, I actually had my theory test yesterday, my driving theory test, and I was still doing some mini practices on my phone, going to this wedding, um, just doing some little questions and stuff, and I was like, oh, I hope I do good and all this jazz, and you know, I hope God helps me with it. We have the wedding, we have a good time, I eat loads of scones, get fat again. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, it was a great time, and on the way back I was doing some more and uh, just before about Sam was about to drop me off, um, uh, Tabby goes, oh, so you're doing your driving test theory. Okay, how about we pray for you? I'm like, yeah, yeah, go for it. Yeah, pray for me, pray for me. Um, so, so they did. 
I felt calm, went to the test, um, and I passed. But as simple as that is, that is another aspect of iron sharpening iron. She, she, Tabby reminded me of the importance of praying before anything and everything. Talking to God. Um, one of the scriptures I've uh, been talking to the young adults about, and even some of the younger kids, um, is Romans 12 verse 12. I've told them to memorize it. And so I keep going to them, what's Romans 12 verse 12? What's Romans 12 verse 12? And so it says, rejoice in hope, be patient in tribulation, and be constant in prayer. So another way to sharpen yourself is to be constant in prayer, constant in relationship with God, constantly talking to him. In 1 Peter 4 verse 7 to 11, it says, love each other, offer hospitality, use your gifts that God gave you to help others. How can you do that if you're on your own? How can you do that if you choose to just be by yourself all the time? It's better to have a partner than go it alone. This is the next bit. It's better to have a partner than go it alone. Right at the very beginning, Adam and Eve, God created the world. He said, oh, look at that garden. That is good. Oh, look at that. Look at that. Look at those animals. That is good. Look at Adam. That's good. And then he goes, ah, but Adam's on his own. Oh, that's not good. Hmm. I should change that. You know what? I'll make someone who's compatible for him to support him, and he can support Eve, her. So that's what he did. He made someone so that they could have a relationship with each other, they could support one another, and have God with them. Now, it's okay to be on your own sometimes. Sometimes we need to really recharge our batteries. You know, sometimes I'm fed up with parents talking to us about you're going to do your homework, or you're going to uh, go to bed earlier, or oh, get off that computer game, or, or I guess, oh, have you been around to see grandma or granda? <laughs> you know, you, you, you get, sometimes you get nagging people, like, oh, you just want to be away from work, you spend around, spend all day with work friends, and you're just like, I just want to be on my own and read a book, or sit by the beach, or listen to the waves, or listen to the rain, or whatever it is you do to relax. Um, that's okay. It's okay to have a time to yourself. But you're actually still not alone. If you have a relationship with God, you're still kind of not alone. Even Jesus, in Mark 6, verse 45 to 46, he says, Immediately he made his disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side, to Bethsaida. While he dismissed the crowd, and after he had taken leave of them, he went up on the mountain to pray. He went away from his disciples. Right, I've had enough of you. You've done good, but let me have some time to mean just mean God. That is important. Next bit. Share the work, share the wealth. 
So you get so much work done with a lot of people. Hopefully, um, please, guys, hopefully, I hope as many of you can stay behind and help us set up these chairs and stuff like that. Many hands make light work, am I right? But a um, little, little, little mini story. Um, when I was older, teenager, like 19, maybe 20, um, I used to do forestry and landscaping. And um, so I'd just mow a lot of lawns and do a lot of chopping and and splitting wood and all this jazz and um, we actually had a, a job to do me and a colleague of mine I won't mention names um, because this is going to be funny um, I won't mention names because uh, we got a bit in trouble anyway so um, we went to this job and it's this massive like mansion and they've got garden place massive garden place everywhere it's very beautiful and it's our job to mow their lawns got loads of little ones, really easy, you know, up and down, up and down, up and down. And then there's this massive, massive lawn that you need the ride-on mower to go on. And you've got to really, you know, be careful with the ride-on mower. Um, and so my colleague, um, I think he had to like, go to the loo or had to do another bit of the lawn or something like that. Anyway, he said, go on the ride-on mower. And it's my first time on the ride-on mower. And I said to him, Hey, um, so what do, do I just go round? Do I do it as normal? He said, yeah, just, just mow the lawn. It's fine. You'll be right. I was like, okay, yeah, cool. There I am driving away. Mm, yep, yeah, it's fine. Mm. And then I've just finished. We've just done it in just nick of time. And he's like, right, okay, we can go home. I'm like, yeah, yeah, all over this lawn. And so... And so my boss gets this email <laughs> from these um, multimillionaires, by the way. Um, gets this email and says um, really, really horrible things that I probably can't repeat. And uh, basically says, you've done a rubbish job. You need to come back and redo it all. So that whole time, we weren't paid for it. Wasted that time. And we had to go back and redo it. So I went with my boss. And got, I got a bit of a scowling, got a bit of a telling off, which is understandable. Um, but I was taught then how to do it properly. I was taught then how to, how to mow the lawn properly. And I learned my lesson. And we got the work done. And he still shared the experience. He shared the wealth. He shared um, <laughs> my wage, thank goodness. Um, but he did all that, and he taught me the lessons that I needed to learn. The next part says in uh, Ecclesiastes, if one falls down, the other helps. But if there's no one to help, tough. This is, this is the message version. If there's no one to help, tough. Now, um, I think Solomon in this bit, he's, he's talking about tough love. You know, the type where, you know, you're, if, you're, if you've got kids... It, it must be really, really difficult to try and teach them how to eat vegetables or why the importance of vegetables, you know, could to help you grow stronger or to eat your five a day or whatever. Or, you know, when I was at the table, I'd, I'd be like, oh, Dad, I don't like these broccoli. And I'd be like, tough, eat it or you go to bed. That was it. Now, my dad's not being completely harsh. I mean, a little bit mean, but... But he's doing it because he knows that's the, that will benefit me, that that is good for me. Okay? When, we, 
when we sometimes go, oh, but God, I don't want to go to the meeting. Can I just stay at home instead? Oh, do I have to go to pray? I pray all the time anyway. God's like, tough, tough, go. It's good for you. Tough, go. Spend time with my people. Go. So, but if there's no one to help, tough. God's giving you the option of going. And it's your choice. And if you fail, if there's no one to help you, because you're choosing to isolate yourself, to not spend time with others, in relationship with God, tough. Nearly finished. Two in a bed warm each other. Alone you shiver all at night. These are the next verses of Ecclesiastes. Two in bed warm each other. Alone you shiver all night. What do you do when you have a barbecue? You go buy some coal. You don't go, can I have one coal, please? And then just put it there and leave it. It won't light. You need to get some lighters. You need to get more coal to put it together to sustain its flame, to help it grow in order for you to have that awesome cooked chicken or that burger that you need to have in order to have that good sustenance the good food to keep you going you've got to have all the coal together otherwise if you just have one on its own you can have very cold burgers for a very long time but it's like that with us if we're just isolating ourselves on our own and we're not choosing to huddle together to be with each other we ain't going to stay lit we ain't going to stay aflame with God we ain't going to stay focused on him We're just going to wither and fade away. Togetherness, relationship, friendships. On your own, you can't manage. Sometimes we say something like, I don't need church. Why do I need church? I've got God. Do I have to listen to Wes again? I don't want to go. Sometimes we can be too proud or too scared to ask for help. Sometimes we keep things to ourselves. But when we go through struggles and we keep things to ourselves and we don't open up, don't ask other people to help who have a good relationship with God, or we don't bring it to God, we let things get and fester. We let things get inside our head. A lot of the times, I actually like sometimes talk down a little bit myself when I'm a bit judgmental on myself. But thank you, Lord, that I have family and friends who see me differently than I do myself. Because I would fail otherwise. I would not be able to do the things that I can do if I'm doing it on my own. With, we, we sang it earlier. There is nothing impossible with God. The last bit. By yourself, you're unprotected. With a friend, you can face the worst. Can you round up a third? A three-stranded rope isn't easily snapped. Now, I used to be um, an outdoor instructor. Um, I used to um, help, you know, uh, adults, kids, teenagers, going down, doing abseiling, going zip wire, doing all sorts, all, all bits of rope. And as instructors, we have to check the rope, make sure it's safe, make sure it's tight, make sure it's secure. And um, in this case, 
God is kind of like that rope, and we are like that rope as well. If we choose to have each other and put God at the core of it. With a, with a three-stranded rope, um, it kind of lines together and overlaps each other perfectly, so it's in line with each other, and it has this um, strong grip so that it won't let you go if you attach yourself properly. And that's what God's like. He has that strong grip on us. When we choose to put him at the core of our life and our friendships, our marriages, our relationships, whatever it is, that we're, the people that we're connecting with, if we're all putting God at the focus, then we all like that three-stranded cord that doesn't let go, that holds us tight, that keeps us safe, that keeps us secure, that keeps us ready. And sometimes we actually struggle to make friends. Sometimes we don't have a lot of confidence. Sometimes it takes a lot of courage to step out. Um, if that's you, don't hesitate to talk to God. And don't hesitate to connect with, uh, if you're watching online, your local church. Don't hesitate to connect with people here. Don't hesitate to connect with people who have a good relationship with God because they will help you get up and be in a relationship, be in a fellowship to help build you up and to be the best that you can be. At the end of the Scrooge story, um, he finally realizes the future that he's going to have. It's a glim one if he doesn't choose to change if he doesn't choose to have relationship with others, if he doesn't choose to focus on his family, if he doesn't choose to share his wealth, he is going to end in doom and gloom. But you know what? He finally realizes the error of his ways. He turns around and he goes to all the other people that are in need. He gives them money. He cheers them up. He sings with them. He brings joy to them. And because of all this, he has joy in him as well. When we have a relationship with God and each other and we put God at the focus, we have that joy that Scrooge had at the end. Dancing, singing carols, um, even lifting up other people. There was a guy that he used to work with called Bob Cratchit. He was very stingy. He only gave him one coal. He changed his ways. He gave him all the coal he needed to keep himself warm at his business. There was another, there was Bob Cratchit's son, who was Tiny Tim, who was going to pass away if he wasn't given the good food that we could, he could afford. His family couldn't afford it. Scrooge said, you know what? I can help. Here you go. Here's the biggest turkey ever. And they had a feast on Christmas Day. Scrooge is the story of how we can be if we have God at the center. And he chose to change. We need to choose God and put him at the core of our relationships. Psalm 16, 10 to 11 says, The teacher says this to God, You make known to me the path of life. You will fill me with joy in your presence, with eternal pleasures at your right hand. You will fill me with joy. God will fill you with joy. So I end with this. Don't choose to isolate yourselves. Spend time with God and people who know him as well. Sharpen yourselves 
by being in fellowship with each other. Become like a strong rope together with God at the core of your lives. Witness the joy and freedom you'll receive because of it. Two are better than one. Can you round a third? God is good. Uh, Let's pray again. Lord, thank you that you are good. And Lord, thank you that you encourage us to be together and you, when we put you at the, for, at the forefront of our lives, where we put you at the core of our relationships, we are an unstoppable force who are rescued and saved and are held up like a big, strong rope. Lord, thank you that you are our God who loves us so much. Amen.